All right, so this is a mobile edition of the College Planning Edge podcast. Andy Lockwood here, joined by Pearl Lockwood today. Hello, Pearl. Hello, Andy. Hi, everybody. So we are uh, en route home from upstate New York, where we visited our daughter in an a cappella concert at her college. And we've got about four hours in the car. So I thought, hey, why don't we talk about student loan repayment? Um, specifically, Pearl. Yes. You have been um, helping clients lower their student loan payments, which just became due. This we're recording this at the beginning of December, and the all the uh, student loan payments that had been. Um, I guess suspended for the last three years. Yes. Resumed in October, so the moratorium and the party is over, and now we've got um, all sorts of people. The world of hurt has begun. Uh, all sorts of people staring at these huge monthly loan payments that they probably didn't even realize they had, or or they were willfully blind to, like you know, sticking their head in the sand, hoping they would never come back. So, um, so today I thought we would talk a little bit about number one. Um, kind of a, a mashup of a, of a couple of case studies that we've had with some uh, parents who had several hundred thousand dollars worth of plus loans. And number two, just some sort of general uh, tips or traps to avoid for people who are all of a sudden now facing this end of the party. It's like musical chairs, you know, when you're dancing around and you can't find the chair. So there's something like 126 payment re- repayment options scenarios or something. Scenarios, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and there's you know all the income-based stuff, the public servant loan forgiveness. There's uh, relief that um, currently is not available to people who have parent loans, plus loans, but there is a way to magically, like an alchemist, convert the loans that don't qualify into loans that do qualify for repayment. I know you've got a little bit of experience uh, recently doing that. So why don't you take it from the top and talk a little bit about uh, the case study, and then we'll use that sort of as a lens to go through the rest of what you have to say. All right. Sounds good. Um, Well, I guess the the best or the most staggering case study um, of late have a family who has um, three children, two, and, and let's just, well, say, for, for simple, the, their last child is um, a senior in, in college now, going to be winding down, and the two older children have already graduated, and so with the suspension of the loans coming to an end, at least those two children's loans have come due now. And the monthly payment, so let me start with the first premise. If if you have loans, be it student or parent loans, and you do nothing at all except pay the bill, the, the default loan repayment situation that you're going to be in is called the standard repayment plan. I don't think you should use the word default when you're talking about loans. That's a, true. It, it is. There's the, it it takes on two meanings. But it's like when I play golf the, with the, the guys the, and the, I'm the, saying how the many The de facto, if you do nothing else, you are looking at having the standard repayment plan, which is going to make you have the highest payments that are possible for you. That is going to be your highest monthly payment. Okay, fine. So the first thing you got to know is. Well, what's the case study? So these, these guys are looking at how much. So oh. these this family was doing nothing. Their standard repayment was four thousand dollars a month. And this is, by the way, this is not so exceptional because not at all. We're not the client just like this. Who has forty three hundred dollars yeah. yeah, so a month? So these are two very similar situations, yeah. but. So for because, because they borrowed how much? Because they borrowed. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. So they we're talking now about two of their three children having completed college at 
private institutions. So they would borrow, let's say they were not need eligible in, in both of their private schools. So they were looking at paying the entire cost of attendance minus any maybe some merit aid the student may have gotten or the student's student loans as well, which is about... And the number that they is, borrowed is? So the number annually borrowed is, is approximately $60,000 or so a year. Uh, the total loan balance right now for this family is about $400,000. Okay. Okay, so with that, they're looking at paying $4,000 a month, every month, for the next 10 years, until they will be discharged of this debt obligation. So it's totally repaid in 10 years? Totally repaid in 10 years, okay. right. So they're a little shocked by that. Um, right. both, it's both a mortgage families. payment. It's, it's Yeah, it's a big mortgage payment. That's right. So what were you able to help them uh, lower the payments to what number? So when I was able to take their entire financial picture and analyze, oh, bottom line is, okay, I will be getting them down to a payment of seven hundred and fifty dollars a month from four thousand. Right, and the and the other similar family is around thousand dollars a month. Around eleven hundred dollars right. a month for the other family. Right. So in both cases, you're saving over thirty grand a year. So right. Three grand a month plus three grand a year, uh, thirty grand thirty nine thousand dollars a year or something like that times ten years. So it's it's a exactly. significant significant payment relief, and in our opinion, probably not that unusual. Um, if you're listening, you know, maybe you have half of what they have, maybe you have more of what they have, but real relief is possible. You would never look, I would say, uh, if you're an outsider and you were looking at these two families from the outside, you would never think that they um, were, you know, poor or low income. Well, or, that's you know, They're right. very upper middle class, both families, very nice neighborhoods. So how did you just explain how you... Um, and this is complicated, but try, try not to overcomplicate it. Okay. How, how, did you, how were you able to get well, this payment relief? Fine. So before, you know, that $750 a month is getting them to the best uh, repayment plan for this family in particular, which their goal was the lowest monthly payment they can achieve because there are costs um, and benefits and things to analyze when going for any of these such repayment plans. But along the way, keeping in mind that they had their goal was having the lowest monthly repayment option. Um, and, and in this case, and frankly, in, in many cases, the way to accomplish that is by accessing the income-based repayment plans, which are computed by figuring a percentage of the borrower's income each year, um, and I'll, I'll get into that more. Well, this, this year is 10% unless something changes. For, for many of these programs, it's 10% of the borrower's income that gets certified, and that is what the repayment is based on for that year. Every single year with the income-based repayment plans, your income needs to be recertified with the government for that year, which dictates what your repayment is going to be that year. And just as a disclaimer, you know, so this is the end of 2023. There's all sorts of, you know, possibilities out there that these plans might be deemed unlawful by the Supreme Court or other legal challenges. Right. I'll get into the ones. New that ones really are. could be coming up, so just sure. just have to do that disclaimer. Right. That's true. All right. And interestingly, not to harp on this, but interestingly, the, the the fact that they have parent loans, plus loans, parent loan for undergraduate students, meant that they are not eligible for these repayment plans. Right. But you are able to convert, right, or that's right, uh, consolidate. Consolidate. That's correct. Their loans. So let so. me just explain that um, because yes. There's a lot to this. A lot of moving parts here. Um, well, just from thirty thousand foot view, they're not. They're, the current loan that they have right now is not eligible to be for these own, loans. But you right. can change. You can change the nature of the loan by converting it or consolidating it into a, a type of direct loan that is eligible, and then they can benefit from these plans. That's correct. And when you, if you were to call your servicer, by the way, um, if you were to figure that out, who your loan servicer was, and ask about this. 
chances are they'd be like, huh? And they're probably not even allowed to That's uh, right. give you any type of advice anyway, legally. That is so, correct. So either you um, frustrate yourself that way or you randomly stumble across something like this podcast where right. you've got an expert like Pearl telling you how to do this. So now the, let me just um, explain the two main differences between income-based repayment plans and other repayment plans. When I say other repayment plans, I am referring to there's the standard repayment plan, which in this case was a $4,000 a month repayment, monthly payment, which would have to happen $4,000 a month for 10 years before the debt is completed, um, paid. Uh, and then there are the other non-income-based repayment plans. There's the graduated plan, which basically it, the payments start off slow, but then balloon, similar to like a, a ballooning mortgage, somewhere along the way as your income is expected to grow, so do your repayment uh, payments. Um, the life of the loan, you're going to end up repaying more. You'll have a longer time to pay it in the graduated plan. Um, and at the end of the term, your, your debt is forgiven. Or not forgiven, your debt is repaid. Then there's also the extended repayment plan, um, which basically would take your 10 years standard repayment plan and extend that to 20 years and have your payments, of course, your interest is still accruing on that, and over the life of repaying that loan, um, your, your interest will accrue, you will pay more, but at the end of the 20 years, you too will be finished with your debt obligation. By contrast, the income-based repayment plans, and what the income, such as the save plan, the repay plan, the pay plan, um, the income contingent repayment plan, the income-based repayment plan, all right, these are all fall under the, the, the number of income-based plans that are tied to the borrower's income, which, depending on which plan you're eligible for, will either be based on 10% of the borrower's income, the repayment, or 20% of the repay, of the income. So, of course, you would tr want to try to get to the base, have it be based on your 10% of your income so that you have the lowest payments monthly. Well, can I ask you a question though? So yeah. Is it true that in both cases you're you're not paying off the you're not amortizing the loan, so you're 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 going to have more of a loan balance once you're done with the repayment plan? With income-based repayment plans, yes, with the exception of the save plan, and I will circle back to that in right, a minute. Well, hang on to that. So that might be a reason to pay 20%, no, of, of your rental instead of 10% if you want to have less of a... You have to weigh the monthly payment that you can live with because you're going to, in order to process what the income-based repayment plans do, it enables you to get the lowest repay, monthly repayment tied to your income at either a rate of 10% 10, 10 or 20%. And then when that borrower makes monthly payments, watch out, vehicle on shoulder ahead. Wow, a little message from Waze right there. Sorry about that. All right. Um, after 120 on-time payments at that income-based Repayment rate ten years for ten or ten years of on-time repayments. At the end of the ten years, whatever your loan balance is at that time gets forgiven. However, and this is a big however, at that time of forgiveness, you will incur a tax bomb for the amount that was forgiven in that tenth year. So, in other words, <clears throat> if you have $200,000 that gets forgiven, that's, that's treated as income, so you'll pay taxes as if that was income to you, that forgiveness event. Right. So, so so maybe you, know, you don't go with 10% income repayment, maybe you go with 20 just to reduce that, or you just kick the can down the road. Yes, you, right, because you feel that while you're reducing your tax bomb, so to speak, yeah. 
you are going to have to weigh that against now the increased monthly payment you're going to have to make for 10 years. Yep. So it's truly, truly a um, a cost-benefit analysis, and it's you have to figure. Every family has to figure out exactly that tipping point that works for them. This well, this is like those one percent mortgages, you know, where people would move move into houses uh, to be able to afford them the lowest monthly payment possible, and just hope that you know the house is going to appreciate if and when they sold it. And this is kind of the same thing where you're you're kicking the can down the road. So it makes me a little nervous. But for people who are really struggling out there with payments and they you know they found themselves uh, under all this debt, it is really a um, dramatic payment relief. And and the other thing you do is plan for it, right? You, exactly. You can put aside money. So you have eyes wide paying, open. Yeah. Instead of paying, you know, if you're normally paying four thousand dollars a month, and all of a sudden you're paying about thousand dollars a month or less you, in theory, are to the positive of $3,000 a month, why not force yourself to, um, to to put away, I don't know, $2,000 a month into a savings account so that in 10 years you'll have a lot more money sitting around and you can use some of it to pay the taxes that you owe, assuming that you owe those taxes. I mean, that's a whole other question. Or you can save for retirement. It, you, you know, freeze up that money. Again, you really have to analyze your own personal financial situation here. And your mental capacity to, to do this. Exactly. Yeah, what discipline. I was going to say was there, 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 yeah, which is hard for all of us. You, you might, um, we might be surprised about the forgiveness aspect of that debt, supposedly. I don't want to even mention that because that's just speculation and probably outside the scope of you running through some of the big mistakes that people make, but um, it's not clear that everyone will owe taxes on these amounts that are, that are going to be forgiven 10 years into the future. Right. By any means. And, and, and of course, oh. your co-pilot is talking again. Yeah. Continue straight for one hour and 36 minutes. Let's continue straight for one hour and 36 minutes. toward Bear Mountain. Just yeah, there is a way. Sound off. <laughs> there, there's uh, a way to get the sound off. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Um, so the exceptions to the tax bond are public are those seeking public service loan forgiveness. I don't I don't know if I want to go too far into this, but suffice to say, uh, those who are employed by a government entity, a not-for-profit entity, a qualifying not-for-profit entity, um, such an agency that if you have been employed or you, you've made 10 years of on-time payments, at the end of the 10 years, your loan balance is completely forgiven, period. No tax bond. So that could be teachers, it could be government employees, local government employees, might be some doctors if they're working for community hospitals, um, variety of people who are public servants, firefighters, police Again, officers. in order to even access the public loan forgiveness, you have to be enrolled in one of these income-based repayment plans. Yep. So, let me get back to now, for those of you, which are many, graduate plus loans or parent plus loans, it, it, as, as they are on their own, if you do nothing, you would, no, you would not qualify for any of these income-based repayment plans because these loans need to be consolidated to be characteristically changed into a different type of loan that is then eligible for these income-based repayment plans. Okay, so, so... So in other words, if you have a plus loan, there's no way to, to get payment relief unless you transform it or consolidate it into a different type of government loan. That's correct. Um, what you would be able to do is you would have to consolidate in completely, in order to get away from the standard repayment plan altogether, meaning in, even if you wanted to get one of the extended repayment plans, a non-income based repayment plan, just a, a, you know, a better a, a having your monthly payment. So extended would mean changing from 10 to 20 years? Exactly. Um, and in, in, the scenario, in, in our case study, your monthly payments would go from 4000 to 2000 Okay. But you end up paying more interest over. You'll end up paying more. Ten years. Exactly right. That's right. Um, so it's like converting a fifteen-year mortgage to a thirty-year mortgage. Exactly like that. Lower your payments, but pay more interest over the life of the loan. Worry, you can um, prepay without penalty, so you might be able to pay down that note. That's true. So 
in that case, though, you would still need to consolidate your loans. And let me just explain. Um, if you, you may be unaware that when a parent and a grad student takes out a loan for each year that their student is in school, let's say, let's just use the four years, the parents could, at the end of the four years, actually have for one student eight different PLUS loans because they fund per semester and they are each considered a unique loan. So you have the first thing you would have to do is consolidate those eight loans. It could be anywhere from four to eight, depending on the school, depending on how they fund it. Well, that's important because a lot of people don't realize that they're not just taking out one loan for their kids. And, uh, and they're surprised, right? When, when, when they're like, no, by the way, I looked up what you owe and it's eight different loans. Yes. Yeah. Where, exactly. do, where do you look this stuff up, by the way? How do they, how do they access their uh, loan balances? So, in order to obtain a loan in the first place, you need to have your FSA ID, username, and password. That is the same FSA ID that allows you to electronically sign a FAFSA, access the student loan website. Which is, which is all accessible at student loans. I did this yesterday, didn't I? Sorry. Studentaid.gov. Studentaid.gov. You go there, you hit login, and you enter the borrower. So if it's the student looking at the student loan, the student would use the student's FSA ID, username, and password. If the parent is looking up the parent's PLUS loan, a parent would use the parent's own FSA ID, username, and password at studentaid.gov. Okay. All right. And at that, once you're logged in, you would be able to access all of your loan detail and see all of the outstanding loans, which semesters and schools they are attributable to, all the interest rates, which are varied. So some of the benefits, let's get into that, of consolidating your federal loans. One, it gives you access altogether to some other loan repayment plan other than the standard repayment plan, which I've identified as the highest monthly plan payment that you'll make. Um, when you consolidate your loans, you'll consolidate your loan into one single monthly bill and not have all these multiple confusing loans. Which is usually going to be a lower payment plan. Which is going to be a lower payment plan. You'll have access to these forgiveness options with these income-based repayment plans. You'll have a fixed interest rate. And um, I think that's... Oh, you simplify your life. So, yeah, it simplifies your life. Now... Can I ask you a question? Though? Yeah, What if course. they can't figure out their FSA ID logins? What do they do? can't figure out your FSA ID logins, you would still go to studentaid.gov and follow the prompts for, you know, forgot my username, forgot your password. It's going to be based on your date of birth, your name, your social security number, everything that you use, your security questions that you used to set up the account at some point originally uh, when you started filing FAFSAs. That is, that's how you would re-access it or, or, you know, reactivate your FSA ID if it's been a while. Um, anyway, getting back to what the single loan consolidation accomplishes. But it's important to understand that a single loan consolidation will only access, if you're in a plus loan, the income contingent repayment method, or ICR. Nice. Because this needs more acronyms. The ICR income contingent repayment method that is accomplished when you do one single consolidation of plus loans, you can get into a repayment plan that is based on twenty percent of your income. Okay, that's okay, that's fine. But if you can do better, like have it tied to only ten percent of your income, that's gonna be a lower repayment when ultimately, just remember where we're going, yes, your loan is going to negatively amortize, meaning the loan balance will increase over time, but you're making 10 years of on-time payments based on 10% of your income, of the borrower's income, and I'll get, I'll get more into that in a minute. Goody. Um, 
And as long as you can sustain that, and that's, let's say for my, my case study, they're going to be at $750 a month for 10 years, making $750 a month, more like a very a fancy car repayment instead of a mortgage repayment. Um, at the end of the 10 years, even if their loan has been amortizing and growing, the rest of whatever's owed at that 10-year mark is forgiven. Okay, and you have 10 years where you're able to take the difference of what you were going to have to pay anyway and save it, plan for the tax bomb. In any case, the combination of what you will have paid over the 10 years and the tax bomb hit in that 10th year, the tax consequence you'll incur from the forgiveness is far less than what you would have paid um, under any other scenario. Okay, um, so how do you get into the 10% income repayment? You need to do what's called a double consolidation. Ooh. You're going to have to, so if, if in, in my case study, well, okay, so I'll just explain what's going to happen. Basically, we're going to consolidate a bunch of the parent loans that they currently have due, and then when their third kid graduates, those plus loans are going to come due, and we're going to have to do another consolidation of all of those loans. That, Again, because that we're, that's the double, that's the double consolidation, but then actually is like a third, I should all the triple consolidation, yes. Nice. Because there's going to be yet another consolidation of those two remaining loans, if you will, that have been now recharacterized from the parent plus loan. So it's like a triple Lundy. It's like back a, to it school. is. It is. Triple Lundy consolidation. Sort of like that. We should uh, trademark that. Oh, let's do that. Um, Get on that. It's, it's upon that final characterization, this double consolidation is completed, that you then it opens up access to all of these repayment plans that are tied to the 10% of income which is really your best scenario. If, of course, this is all based on the fact that you have an, a borrower whose income is such that it, 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 when put in the repayment hopper, if you will, the calculations, you benefit um, because your income is low enough that you're able to take advantage of these repayment plans, that your income is, it does not meet the income threshold for these plans, okay. So, a couple questions. How, yes. how do you figure out the threshold? Number one, and number two, <laughs> loaded question: Is there a sometimes easily overlooked but sneaky way to meet that income threshold? If you're married, finally. Yes, married. of course. Okay, so the main way. Well, what's that the threshold? How do you figure threshold, that out? So there is a loan repayment calculator on the federal site that um, will tell you based on your metrics. Um, it's going to be based on your, you put in your own, your own income as the borrower and you're able to see based on how many people in your family, et cetera, the balance of the loan, what your um, income threshold is going to be. Is it, is it based on cost of living in different geographic yes, areas? Yes, yes. So unlike the uh, federal financial aid system overall, which does not really contemplate your your cost of living. Right. This is based on income, I guess, uh, variations from zip code to zip code. Right. Yes. Right. Well, that's good. So I would think that a lot of people who would just assume they don't qualify actually might qualify. That's right. And then the other thing to look at again, and this is why I'm harping on, you got to really look at, and and what you were getting to is the way, the way most frequently that the income of the borrower can qualify for these income-based repayment plans is when we separate out that borrower's income file, income tax filing from the spouse's income, which would otherwise be booting them out of qualifying of eligibility for these income repayment plans. So the way that a married typically filing jointly couple would accomplish this access, isolating the borrower's income is by having, by filing married and separate. Now, when I say married and filing separate, I, I automatically get like a, 
a jerk back in, in, gutturally inside of me from every accountant that's out there saying, well, what about all those tax benefits that are to be lost when you're no longer filing married and jointly? Yes. That was a good impression of an accountant. Of an accountant, of today's accountant. Yeah. The lay accountant. Um, okay. So... Well, to be fair, we're not accountants. No, nope, so we're not. You need to actually run this by an actual accountant. Yes. But you've I, also got to balance the two scenarios. That's correct. And the two scenarios are, it is true, and, and, and generally speaking, there are tremendous benefits to be had by filing married and joint. Married and joint. But what has to be weighed and measured, again, in, in an income-based repayment plan, if you're going to, and in this case scenario, so my fact pattern, my, my borrower said okay. the benefit that I typically get from filing married and joint is about maybe $3,000 a year of savings. Right. Not per month. Right. Like, but now I'm uh, talking about giving them a savings of $3,000 a month for 10 years. Yeah. So the tax benefit that you get from it, it, does, it pales in comparison to the benefits to be had by filing married and separate because we're separating his, the borrower's income away from his wife who has some income represented in this married and joint filing so that this family can qualify for the lowest monthly repayment plan possible. By the way, ironically, isn't the, I don't know if it's this couple or the mirror couple, but aren't one, one of those couples, they're, they're both CPAs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so... They figured, I mean, they, they understood. They understood this, exactly. Yes, there's, yes, you're losing this benefit, but whoa, you're gaining that benefit is yeah. basically where it's at with this, with this. But, but if you are a parent plus borrower whose income, you know, for many self-employed business owners, for example, what you actually show on your personal tax return may, may be, you know, what, what, what income flows off to you personally may be significantly low enough to qualify for these income-based repayment plans. So then the question is, okay, well, well I'm going to be giving up some tax benefits by no longer filing married and joints because I'm going to file married and separate. Well, well, this is all a number crunching exercise. You will yeah. see the numbers in black and white, and you decide. You know, it, well, in this case, in this think, case it's unequivocal. Yeah. In this case, you're saving three thousand dollars a month. Yeah. In this case, the answer is who cares? Okay. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So now the double consolidation, the happily ever after. So as long as I do a double consolidation, you know, getting all these tons of loans that I'll end up having, be it Graduate Plus or Parent Plus that are going to be outstanding when I'm finally ready to pay back. I got to consolidate them a couple of times, you're saying, Pearl. Great, great, great. Okay. However, here's, there's always another shoe to drop, right? Well, here's my other shoe. This whole double consolidation, I guess, loophole, loophole to, you know, or, or access points, if you will, to these very um, favorable repayment plans is expiring on July 1st, 2025. What? So I know it sounds like, oh, well, just let's speed up and just do the double consolidation as quickly as you can, you know, get them done and get them done. So that sounds fine. And while it is, here's another little linchpin. The, um, linchpin. isn't that a word? Yeah, I'm waiting. Oh. Um, it takes approximately three, closer to six months to accomplish a loan consolidation altogether, a first loan consolidation. There are just delays and delays because now that the government, the government, government, that's true, but, but now that all these repayments are due and frankly there are a lot of new plans and, and a lot of questions being asked and maybe not a whole lot of knowledge and a whole lot of fabulous record keeping on the government part. Um, unfortunately, but what my experience is, is it's taking about three to six months to accomplish these um, loan consolidations. And all of these loan consolidations have to occur and be completed before July 1st, 2025, so that you do 
so that you can access and be sufficiently enrolled in one of these income-based repayment plans. So while this delay is happening, are they paying the higher repayment amount? So, so that's another very um, important point. There's an on-ramping program right now because the government is actually acknowledging that this is a bit of a cluster. Cluster. Uh-huh. Keeping it clean. Cluster fudge. Um, and as such, okay, now let me just, this is a bit on the loaded side because straight from the, from the student loan site, from the student aid website. Nice. Um, nice it, says, it discusses clearly that it is having an on-ramp program between that is between now and September 2024, between which you can get your ducks in, in a row and, and take care of any consolidations and figuring out maybe what kind of loan forgiveness eligibility, public loan forgiveness, um, an on-ramping, if you will, to these repayment plans between now and September of 24, where they're not going to penalize you for if you do not make payments yet. Now, while they're saying that, they're also saying, while this is all true, we are, you should be making your repayments and not making repayments can add to the loan balance and all those things are also true. So, but... But there's no penalties or the, credit issue? There's no credit issue or penalty right, right now, between now and September of 2024. Um, so, the choice is really, you know, at the borrower's option. You can still you can make your monthly payments if you're nervous at all nervous about it then you should make your monthly payments as they stand now the standard payments which are the standard payments which for, for let's say one of my clients is going to be four thousand a month until the consolidation goes through which could be three to six months right and and they got to keep in mind the first one that's going to happen it's going to just it's going to be the first but for the single loan consolidation, which will get you to that extended plan. It'll have your monthly payments, but you're not yet at the point where you can enter the income-based repayments. You've got to accomplish it with the double consolidation. So now you have to wait for that second consolidation to be completed before you can enroll in the income-based repayment plan. Now, so those are, you, sorry, so those are three to six months each. That's right. So that could be a year from now. That's right. You'll still be doing this in December of 2020. Right, and at that point, you're getting, you're bumping up against yeah. being within six months of the time that this double consolidation <coughs> strategy goes away. Unless, of course, the governor steps in and extends the it. The old extended, exactly. Yeah. <coughs> Which we've seen before. Uh, depends on who gets elected as president, what they do. Yes. All sorts of unknowables. So I'll, I will just mention parenthetically because. In discussing the income-based repayment plans, I mentioned that, um, and this is true of whether they're tied to 10% of the income or 20% of the income, the loan negatively amortizes, meaning the loan balance grows as uh, you repay the loan. But I had also explained if you're going for the loan forgiveness after 10 years of the 10 years of on-time repayments, monthly repayments, the, the loan balance, whatever it is at that grown point, gets forgiven and you have a tax bomb. Um, bomb sounds so warlike. I know, I know, but that is actually how it is referred. Um, however, there is one such repayment plan that is out now that does not have this taint of negative amortization or this negative amortization effect which is very sizable um, that is the save plan however it is my speculation and chit chat amongst the uh, gurus that be in this area that the save plan is going to like the Biden Harris loan forgiveness um, of $10,000 and $20,000 respectively that did not 
passed constitutional muster a couple months back. The so HEROES to, Act. Yes, the HEROES Act. So to the SAVE plan is going to come under constitutional scrutiny because essentially what it's enabling a borrower to do is have an income based on 10% of their income, sorry, a repayment plan based on 10% of their income. So if, for example, you have a person who makes little to no income and married or not, but if they're not, or if they file separately and therefore they can isolate their low income, their payment, their monthly payment could be as low as like 200 bucks in some cases, or zero. But anyway, after 10 years, um, they have the tax bomb, they pay, you know, they have repayment. With, with the SAVE plan, there is no negative amortization. So your loan balance is not continuing to grow like all the other repayment plans. Ah, so the taxpayers pick it up. Precisely why there is some constitutional question about uh, whether it? the SAVE plan... So what's already been actually affirmatively discussed, those enrolled in the SAVE plan, if and when the SAVE plan fails, it will all default into the repay plan, which will There's be... word again, default. Which will be based still on 10% of the income, however, will be subject to the negative amortization, so like all the other repayment plans. So, I don't know if you know this, but is the, is the constitutional challenge based on just overreach again, just like under the, the HEROES Act? Like it's, I think it's, it's going to be on overreach. By fiat and, as opposed to by con congressional legislation? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's nice and esoteric. So yeah. anyway, um, it's not so easy getting from point A to point B, which is, you know, point A paying a huge amount in monthly payments, point B paying, in, in this case, I guess 25% of the uh, actual payments. But, um, but why don't you talk a little bit about some of the mis other mistakes that people make in this um, process? Right. One of which, is not, which is not knowing how to get from A to B, but we just right. spent a lot of time on that. And then let's wrap up because this has um, been a very complicated podcast already. So, and we have another three hours to drive. Okay. So, so I've given um, some of the income-based, income-driven repayment plan considerations. There's negative amortization. Um, understanding that there's a difference between making monthly on-time payments and paying enough to be paying off the principal loan balance. There's a difference between being current with your loan servicer. It doesn't mean you're paying down your loan. Um, yeah, so that's the negative right. amortization consideration. That's important because uh, we found that a lot of people don't really understand that. Just because you're making the payments that are required doesn't mean that you're going to be debt-free. You've got to look at the terms of what you're signing up for. Right. And this is a plan, of course, that you have to be committed to, to for, the, for the duration. So there is a lot to get your head around and to consider because once you're on the path, as we're discussing, the loan balance increases, and et cetera. So you got to be in it for the long haul. Um, you have well, to understand... To be fair, you know, I keep saying stuff like this, but we're, we're operating right now under the scenarios that we are experiencing currently that are, you know, all the relief programs that are currently available, but they almost definitely will change for, for the good and, and the bad. So as of December 2023, this is the best information you can, you can get. Um, again, um, understanding what happens at the end of the income-based plan term, the year of your loan forgiveness will be a tax bomb at the end of the 120 on-time payments, tax, unless you qualify. Tax tsunami. Tax tsunami. Tax consequence. Unless, of course, you qualify for public service loan forgiveness, which we touched on. Um, the other failure to understand the income cutoffs with the income-driven repayment programs. There's a crossover of income into... So basically, if your income is uh, high one year during that 10 years of repayment, it may end up in that year getting bounced back up to that standard repayment, monthly payment for that year until your income goes back down, for example. Um, but there's graduated amounts also? Like if you... No, with the income-based repayment, you certify your income each year, and that drives your repayments for that next year. 
So your repayment amount, in other words, can change. Yes. If your as your income does, or if yeah. your income does, it, but if your income doesn't, be, and if it gets too high, then you're back in the standard plan. Yes, but it doesn't mean you're booted out of what's going to happen at the end of the ten years of and getting the loan forgiveness and that whole thing. But okay. you'll never pay more than the standard repayment amount. But what I'm saying is, in a particular year, on the course of that ten years of repayment, in an income-based repayment plan. Should your income be high, for example, let's say you have a, a required retirement um, disbursement in a given year, or you retire in a certain year and there's a payout, um, your income may be artificially high in a given year, and in that year you'll have to kind of suck it up for that year and have a higher payment, potentially, potentially, again. But it's not going to be more than... It'll never be more than what you would pay in the standard repayment plan, that's correct. Um, it's capped at that. Okay, so uh, mistake. Failing to understand the timing of all this with PLUS loans. If you don't know the deadlines and the timing of the PLUS loans, the double consolidation rules and when that goes away, um, and the fact that it takes three to six months per consolidation. Okay, you, and, and to that end, there are paper consolidations and digital consolidations that are possible to kind of work around that time crunch that you're facing. Um, why would you choose, is it a choice, and why would you choose to do paper versus Because you electronic. can stagger those. You, can do, you can't do more than one electronic consolidation except every six months. So in order to speed or hasten that timeline or not get caught by the door slamming, so to speak, you would just um, consolidate one by paper right away, and then when you could have you're ready to do the second consolidation, you do so electronically. Or you can do the first one electronically and not have to wait six months before you accomplish the next one consolidation you can do two months later with paper consolidation. Okay. So another mistake is not understanding the tax considerations with income-based repayment plans, like not knowing how to file your taxes properly, to qualify for the repayment plans, married and joint versus married and separate, or failing to take advantage of tax strategies to lower your adjusted gross income as the borrower to best avail yourself of these repayment plans. So if you know that it's right. Um, understanding and weighing the tax benefits against your loan repayment benefits. Other considerations, generally speaking, when it comes to borrowing and repaying, um, and this is more, more forward-looking for those that are pursuing certain careers you have to measure and make sure that the debt level you're incurring is going to be able to be paid back by that career one day. Um, yeah, not that you have a crystal ball, but if, if you're going to spend four years at a, an elite university with a gender studies major and get out and expect to be able to use that degree to pay down $250,000 worth of loans, um, think again. Uh, if you or you may start out in the public sector and be you know, merrily on your way to a public service loan forgiveness for your graduate uh, plus loans. Like but then you may, that's true, I, I started my career off as an assistant district attorney yeah. for Queens County of Hacken Heat Prosecutor. No, I didn't actually ever pack heat. Thank God, you're um, the last person to pack heat. Thank you. Last person, the very last person. Second to last in our family. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Um, you may start out in the private sector, but then, you know, year four, year five, you decide to switch over to the private sector, and then you're no longer on a path for public loan forgiveness. You'll only have five years' worth of public loan forgiveness credits, so that's not going to work. These are all considerations. The other thing is sometimes borrowers. Uh, who are employed by the public sector unknowingly, either they could stay at this, with the same employer and sometimes say, oh, I have the same employer, but they changed the payroll company, such and such. Some they don't care, they're getting paid the same, but all of a sudden, that employer is no longer a qualifying employer on the public service loan forgiveness database. So there are a lot of moving parts here and a lot of considerations 
to be had with, with all of these repayment plans. Um, Are we wrapping up? Yeah, we're wrapping up. Okay. So many moving parts, as Lots. we just said. Yeah. It's confusing. If you want our help, that is a service that we, Meeting Pearl, provides. She can take you by the hand and get you from where you're at, stress and struggle and huge payments, to the promised land of lower payments. Um, I guess the best way to check that out is to go to our, our site for our um, separate sister business, which is yesterdaysdebt.com. And if you do sign up for the consultation with Pearl, we can give you a coupon code, Pearl200, and that'll get 200 bucks off. Just put that in there, wait for the shopping cart to update, and um, just because you listen to this episode, you get, you're already making money. It's an instant scholarship. But um, obviously, everything we're saying here is not to be considered a guarantee or... You know, results may differ. You're an adult. You get this. The examples that she gave of the uh, two clients um, will almost certainly have results that are different from yours, which doesn't mean that yours may be worse. They may be worse, but who knows? They may be better also, but they are different. So um, go ahead, check out the site, and for any bits of wisdom you want to wrap up with? Uh, Maybe the last word? Just, I, I hope you found this helpful, and um, this is definitely cutting-edge stuff because this uh, repayment obligation has just uh, is just upon all of us now, um, and I'm here to help if I can. I'll let you know. You always can. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with another episode in the very near future. Uh, you should make sure you subscribe and give us a rating too if you don't mind to uh, make sure you never miss out on any of this information bye bye